You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The season is officially in full swing, and we're here for all of it. An unstoppable force is set to meet an immovable object at Anfield. Arsenal travel to the last place they want to go, and Lionel Messi gears up for his league uh, debut. Jimmy Conrad joins me to preview all the action and discuss where the easy money can be found. And you'll want to stick around later, everybody, as we welcome in a very special guest, David Sumter, the author of Soccermatics and Outnumbered, whose new book titled The Ten Equations That Rule the World is a must read for anyone interested in outsmarting the bookmakers. I know Jimmy and I are very, very excited. Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kego Lasso. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. If you're listening on audio, thank you so much. Jimmy Conrad in the house. Jimmy, how are you, my friend? What's up, LME? What's up, everybody listening? Very excited to join you today as we really get into some pretty fun discussions about what's happening for this weekend. And that special guest of ours, David Sumter, is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. By the way, as I mentioned, we thank you, Kego Lasso fam, for sticking around and listening and watching. Please keep on liking, following, subscribing. Leave a nice comment, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Do whatever you got to do to help us grow and tell your friends. Uh, by the way, disclaimer, we are taping this before the Champions League draw. So the odds could change. We're taping this before the Champions League draw. I say this because I don't want Jimmy to get any nasty replies on oh. Twitter. I don't want to get anything away. So remember, we are taping this on Champions before Champions League draw. Thank you, Thank you for that preface. I was sweating over here, Luis. I appreciate that. Okay. <laughs> I don't want people uh, so, betting their mortgage on some of these things without uh, us knowing some of the maybe storylines a day or two before. But yeah, always check the starting lineups before you make your bets. But we want to give you some context as to why we're leaning a certain way. Go ahead, Ellie. Take it away. 100%. And by the way, some of the things are pretty self-explanatory, but like Jimmy said, please make sure that you check out the starting lineups and everything, et cetera. But we wanted to get things rolling. And of course, we're going to include and involve uh, David Sumter in a second. He's going to give us some beautiful beautiful context. And uh, for once in this show, somebody with a brain will come in and, and help us out. I mean, I'm excited about that. <laughs> somebody with, with some smarts. <laughs> That's what they're doing, Luis. Somebody that can help us because we don't like no book learning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to start right here. Listen, we begin in the Premier League, as we rightly said in the intro. Jimmy Conrad, Arsenal, man, you're thinking, my God, Arteta, how long do you have? Already two straight losses, one at Brentford, the other one against Chelsea. Oh, look where they have to go now. Manchester City against Arsenal. Talk to me. Okay. I just heard that there's some rumors swirling. Okay. To no one's big surprise that Mikel Arteta could be out soon. LME, you might have been you that started this, <laughs> this rumor because you came out really early and said that Arteta is going to be fired by Christmas. It might be even sooner than that. I heard the dude has five games to right the ship. That's got, a lot. I, it, yes and no. I mean, Man City obviously is a formidable opponent, so you got to take that into consideration. They obviously needed to do the business in that first game against Brentford, but they didn't. Now they might not score in the first three games. I want to say that's interesting because I'm hearing Antonio Conte actually might be the, the man that comes in to replace him. 
which would be absolutely wild because what I love about Antonio Conte, and it sounds like you said that as well, is that I'm not saying that Arteta's lost the locker room, but it feels like he has a little bit with some key players. And Antonio Conte comes in and he doesn't care about your feelings. He doesn't care about however, you know, oh, I'm not going to put, he's just going to put the best 11 out there. And that's that. And I think that Arsenal might need that a little wake up call in some capacity and that Arteta's messaging or his philosophy just isn't sinking in with these guys or did for a while, but isn't anymore. And Antonio Conte would be a very interesting hire. So that is obviously dangling in the background for Arsenal. They're obviously Before trying you to get move- to the game. I just want to echo this. Do I it. said this, I'm just going to echo what you just said. Arsenal need an identity. They need something, whether it's bad or good. They need to go onto the pitch and be like, this is who we are. We don't care about anything else. That's Antonio Conte, straight up. And I've said it before. I I wish Arteta well. It's just that right now, I'm still trying to figure out who they are. So to your point, you know, this is a major, major obstacle. He has five games. I don't know what you're going to see in five games because I still don't know who you are in that results right, or right. not so that's I mean, Odegaard, Odegaard's gonna come in right okay. and he's gonna make a difference obviously he's gonna bring something he wants to be there which is important and Another I do think he's a link up player that that will be nice Thomas Partey hopefully he'll get healthy soon that will give them some different options and some different looks but I think we can sit here right now and say the back line is a bit of a dumpster fire and until they get that sorted out Ben White healthy not healthy I don't know that is really I think their biggest issue yeah. Now, before we get into the odds, I want to do talk about Manchester City. It looks like the Harry Kane deal is dead. Harry Kane has come out and said he's staying. And so I actually think that helps Manchester City because now they, they don't have to get into that drama anymore. Is he coming? Is he not? Now, obviously, the transfer window is still open. They might be looking at other options. Uh, Vlahovic from, from, from Fiorentina probably still out there. You know, Ronaldo, and, my friend, I'm talking to right Fabrizio Romano, and the, yeah. there, there are conversations. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying. Cristiano Ronaldo playing for Pep just like would blow my mind. I don't even really see it ever happening. I just feel like those are two polar opposites in terms of how they see the game and how the yeah. game should be played. Did that said, that just give me the ball. <laughs> the, guy, the guy can score. And if you put him in the nine spot, he's going to hit the back of the net for you. So if that's what you're looking for, I guess it's a possibility. All right. So well, let's take a look at the bookies. Arsenal are so poor right now. The bookies have them at plus 1,300 to win straight up. Woo. That is embarrassing. Okay. Man City are minus 500, minus 480, something crazy. I mean, that, that, I don't see those odds very often in a straight Premier League matchup, no matter who's playing. And this is kind of like Man City playing a fourth division team in the FA Cup. I mean, that's the bookies have zero respect for Arsenal. Zero. Zero. Now, Arsenal have won just once in the last 10 meetings against Manchester City. I think there's going to be goals in this one. I'm kind of looking at it. Over three and a half goals at plus 140. That said, both games against Arsenal in the league last year were, were uh, two 1-0 wins for Man City. They beat Arsenal 4-1 in the Carabao Cup uh, last season as well. And that's one That's one option for people to consider. I actually like this one on Caesars that says three to four total goals plus 130. Okay. So it, it gives you a couple options there. 3-1, 2-1, 3-0, 4-0. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But... There is a really fun bet that I think there's some some value here. Man City to score from the 16th to 30th minute plus 270. And I say that because Arsenal have actually looked pretty good in the first 15 minutes of their first two games. And after that is where they're giving up goals. So in that, that window, they gave up a goal to Lukaku in the 15th minute. They gave up the goal to Brentford in the 22nd minute. But they're okay for the first 15 minutes of games. And then all of a sudden, when the other team starts to get a grip of it, and we know that Man City will probably try to do that quickly, 
that is a nice window where I think that's where the focus and concentration and maybe even the frustration of how Arsenal are playing kind of creep in. So I thought that would be a fun one. I don't normally find that bet, but it's so heavily one-sided to Man City. It's hard to find that positive value. And as you know, I'm a positive guy. I'm always looking for the positive bets. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying, LME? <laughs> King Sunshine. King Sunshine over here. Absolutely. Um, let me add a little, th- a few things to uh, complement what you said. Man City, by the way, unbeaten in their last 11 league games against Arsenal since that 2-1 defeat at the Emirates uh, in 2015. They've taken 28 of a possible 30 points against the Gunners under Pep Guardiola. Let me ask you, Jimmy Conrad, is Pep Guardiola going to take pity on his former assistant? I think he will. I mean, I thought that, remember when they played Leeds at home? Pep Guardiola loves Marcelo Bielsa. Loves him. You can tell. Like when, when Leeds ended up winning that game, Pep was just like, he was so thrilled for Marcelo Bielsa that he won that. It was the craziest, like, after-game manager meetup I've ever seen. That when you take your grandfather to the park and you, like, are, are playing kickball, and you just let him just score. Just him, him. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really interesting to see his reaction to that. Yeah. Do I feel like uh, he will want to maybe take it easy on Arteta? I'm sure personally he will. Now, I don't know if the players are going to go out there. Uh, and, and do the same. They obviously drop points in their first game against Tottenham, so they can't really dick around. Ultimately, they got to go out there and make it happen. Mm. Yeah. Well, listen. I, here's a crazy thing for you. What if it's a draw? Because I'm seeing the 500 plus 500. Is there a? I know you told me there's five matches left for Arteta that he has. I feel like, you know, if the squad, if the dressing room is on his side, this is whatever happens, don't lose kind of game. I feel. Do you see in any way, shape, or form Arteta and Arsenal getting anything out of this game? Yeah, and I also believe in unicorns. Come on, Luis. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, it's not happening. Man, I was going to stop on these guys. These guys are so vulnerable right now. Arsenal are super vulnerable right now. They're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, I felt really bad. They're like a three-legged puppy ready to go. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's move on. Let's look at Liverpool-Chelsea. This is another massive one. Liverpool are looking fantastic. Chelsea are looking fantastic. Romelu Lukaku on one side, Mohamed Salah on the other. Defensively, Virgil van Dijk on one side. Of course, Chelsea's defensive unit is very good. There's a lot, a lot to look ahead to. And I wonder, because of that, They'll just cancel each other out and it'll be a boring nail-nail. What do you think? It's possible. It's possible. Both of these teams have won their first two games, 3-0 and 2-0. They both have a plus five goal differential. Obviously, they haven't given up a goal. I kind of want to throw those stats out the window because to your to your point about the matchups, Virgil van Dijk versus Romelu Lukaku, Woo. inject that matchup into my veins. I'm Beautiful. here for that. I really want to see who's going to be in whose back pocket in this one. I think that Chelsea do have a ton of momentum. I think they've probably had a bit of a sterner test in their first two games, obviously squeaking by Villarreal in the UEFA Super Cup as well. Whereas Liverpool have played Norwich away from home and they've played Burnley. So it's not, they haven't played anybody that they've, that, you know, not necessarily title contenders, but just eh, going to be difficult. You a know? major and, challenge, right. Yeah. You're right. Not to say Arsenal were a major challenge for Chelsea last week, <laughs> but that's a different conversation. I'm sorry, Arsenal fans. got to keep t- throwing you under the bus. You guys were invincible oh once, like 18,000 years ago. So yeah. I will say, though, there's another matchup that I really like, and mm-hmm. it's Thomas Tuchel versus Jurgen Klopp, the two German managers. They both have a very distinct style. You talk about identity. They both have an identity of how they want to play. Uh, you got the, the back three with the two wingbacks. Tuchel is starting to make that very fashionable. And then you have Jurgen Klopp, who's dedicated to the 4-3-3. Yeah. And, and he's got his outside backs playing very, very well. Trent Alexander-Arnold, for me, has been fantastic these first two games. Now, both managers have met each other on 14 occasions in their in their lifetimes, dating back to the Bundesliga as well. 
And Klopp has a better record, winning nine of those, drawing three, and only losing two. Yep. So that is pretty interesting. Uh, Chelsea are going to lose. Kurt Zuma, he's going to be going to West Ham. I think that's actually good for both West Ham and the players. Zuma gets some minutes, still yep. relatively young. There's some talk now about Saul potentially coming from Atletico Madrid for a season-long mm -hmm. loan because Tuchel wants to give some more competition in the middle of the park and obviously have depth for multiple competitions. Uh, but what, who I really like and who could be a difference maker in this one, who I thought was excellent against Burnley, was the 18-year-old from Liverpool, Harvey Elliott. I want to see now, can you break down? It's one thing to break down Burnley. Is it another thing entirely to try to break down a Chelsea team that doesn't give up goals and is so stout defensively? And Harvey Elliott trying to find space against N'Golo Conte if he starts Jorginho, Kovacic, or whoever it may be, and trying to break through that back line is going to be – this is going to be a great game. I'm really excited for this one. But there's that Mo Salah news. Obviously, they're not going to go to Egypt. All these players are not going to be allowed to go. Then the FIFA says, hey, by the way, you have to release your players. So that's getting a little sticky. I wonder if that's going to be a distraction. But I think this is an amazing opportunity for both of these clubs to prove themselves, Luis, and put their flag in the ground and say, you know what? We're going to be titled contenders. We're going to make sure that we're starting to create some distance and get these valuable points early on so they don't cost us later on in the season, which means with all this excitement, it's probably going to be a draw, like you said, plus 235. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's what I like. That's what I like to hear. Agreeing with me because I still see a 0-0. Zero, zero. But to your, to your point, by the way, I mean, Liverpool have just lost two of their last Premier League meetings with Chelsea. Six wins, five draws. Uh, the One of those defeats was in the most recent one back in March. And by the way, only Manchester United have won more Premier League away games against Liverpool than Chelsea. So think about that one for a second. The matchups in this game are everywhere. We awesome. didn't even mention Trent Alexander-Arnold, Marcos Alonso on the other way as well. There's just so many storylines here, which worries me. Each one cancels each other out. Do you see stalemate or do you see at least a draw with goals? Or maybe it's a win for one or the other. That's a good question. I'll, I'll kind of stay with the under two and a half goals. There are two matchups last season in the league. We're both under two and a half goals. Only one of those games was with Tuchel in charge of Chelsea. What I find interesting on Caesar Sportsbook is that the bookies have Liverpool winning and over two and a half goals as the favorite at plus 290. But then their second favorite is the draw and under two and a half goals at plus 300. And then their third favorite is Chelsea winning and over two and a half goals at plus 360. Uh, I think the song goes, one of these things is not like the other. What? <laughs> you know, so I kind of like the draw and under two and a half goals. To your point, I could see this being somewhat conservative as they try to poke and prod to find where those gaps are. I like the 1-1 scoreline in this one, but but I think the safe play is, is just the draw straight up at plus 235. Yep, I like it. All right, by the way, we're going to move on. But before that, I'm just going to give you the other uh, fixtures. Newcastle, Southampton, Brighton, Everton, West Ham, Crystal, Palace, 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 Norwich City, Leicester City, Villa against Brentford, Burnley against Leeds United, Wolves at home to Manchester United, Tottenham and Watford. We're going to move on and let's talk, of course, Serie A, Paramount Plus. It was a great opening weekend. Our friends, Matteo Bonetti, uh, Joy Ankier as well, and uh, Marco Messina as well making his debut. So great to see everybody. But you as well, Jimmy Conrad, part of the betting tips as well, and will be on HQ, Paramount Plus, etc. But anyway, there's some good, you know, steady action. The last weekend, Jimmy Conrad was crazy. Is there anything Serie A, because none of the big boys, with all due respect, are facing each other this weekend. But where's the narrative going this weekend for you? Is it Juventus, maybe, because they couldn't get that win in the opening? Is it AC Milan, you know, to see from that short week? Is it Napoli or is it Lazio, Atalanta? What, what are you looking at? No, I like Juventus versus Empoli, to be honest, because I think the CR7 story is quite interesting. And then from an American perspective, what's happening with Weston McKinney? Now, apparently, Juve have come out and said they've set a price tag 
on Weston McKinney. 26 million euros to get his signature. It looks like Spurs are considering it. Now, I don't know if there's going to be a swap. I don't see too many player swaps in the European game with Ndombele potentially going the other direction or Sissoko going the other direction. But I think Weston McKinney for 26 million could be a bit of a steal. He played 46 games last season, and I think he proved that he can hang with He's anybody. 22. He's only 22. I think his upside is tremendous. And then obviously from a marketing perspective, you're probably going to sell a lot more Spurs shirts, at least here in the States, if Weston McKinney's on the team. So I find that to be somewhat interesting, uh, this game in particular. Now, Juve are undefeated in 34 of their last 38 home matches. They haven't lost to Empoli in their last six. Empoli have only scored twice in those six games. There have been over two and a half goals in Juve's last six games. So I just think that Juve is going to win in over two and a half goals. But that's minus 185. And you guys know how I feel about negative things. We have to bet 185 just to win 100 bucks. It's boring. So, yeah. so I'm going to be an exact score merchant. And I'm okay. kind of curious about this strategy from Mr. David Sumter when he comes on about uh, how to wager and what we should be thinking about. Well, I'm but, sure you're going to say a lot to us, especially on how, how to live our lives as well. Jeez. I'm going to be a sponge. I'm just going to sponge all, all of it up. But but if you go Juve to win exactly 2-0, it's plus 600, okay? You bet 10 bucks there, that's fine. Juve to win 3-0, plus 700. 2-1 is 850. 3-1, okay. or 1-0 is plus 900. 3-1 is plus 950. You could have that's all five of those score at. lines. All five of those score lines, and if one of those five hit, you're still going to make money. I'm so, looking at 3-1. 3-1 at plus 950 is it's crazy. I'm looking crazy, at 3-1 because I think not winning in the opening weekend is a big deal. They're going to score. But to your point from a few weeks ago, and as we continue to discuss Juventus, they do concede goals. That's just a fact. They concede goals. They have a 79% win percentage against Empoli, by the way. Uh, but they concede goals. I see 3-1. 950? Take that to the bank. Yeah, it's it's. I think you can have a couple. You should go look at the exact score lines, everybody. You can get some tremendous value here. But to your point, Chesney did not, uh, you know, look great in that one against Udinese. And, and they are bleeding some goals right now. And obviously, Allegri is still trying to get uh, probably his best 11 out there to understand who it is on in all areas of the field. I thought the ball looked good. So there's probably some action there for him to score. But but uh, I'm kind of curious if CR7 starts and, and what his role is going to be in this, because this will probably be the last game, I think, before the transfer window closes. So kind of curious to see how that gets handled and if he moves at all. Yeah, by the way, to the point about Juventus conceding, uh, they've conceded in each of their last 15 league games, only twice in their Serie A history they have been on a longer streak without a clean sheet. So mm -hmm. I'm just letting you know nice that. One. By the way, Jimmy, Serie A, right, is one thing. We got the Scottish Premiership as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people realize that. And this mm -hmm. weekend, this Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus, the old firm. If you've never seen Rangers against Celtic, please Watch Rangers against Celtic. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> By the way, we interviewed Rangers' Stephen Davis and as well, uh, Callum McGregor as well from Celtic. Two interviews, okay? And we got a little bit of a teaser clip uh, and here it is. From the clubs that I've played for in my career, Rangers is certainly more intense up here. Listen, it's, it's um, more than just football for people here. Um, it means the world to them and uh, they just look forward to a Saturday and, and getting games and going going to the games and the result can be the be-all and end-all for their week. So um, obviously growing up as a Rangers fan myself, I, I know the pressures that comes with playing for the club and it's something you have to thrive on if you're going to be su successful here. Old firm, Jimmy Conrad. It's going to be a good game. I mean, listen, uh, as we tape, of course, there are some uh, implications with Rangers. Steven Gerrard and some players didn't travel to Europe, but this is going to, regardless, there's going to be some fans. This is going to be a, a, a big game early on in the season. 
I love it. Uh, one of my bucket list items is to go to an old firm at some point it has yet to happen. I've been to the Super Classico Boca River. I've seen the Milan Derby, the Manchester Derby. I've seen some derbies. And this is one that's still high up on my bucket list to go attend. So hopefully that'll happen in the future. Now, both of these clubs, I think Celta are actually probably a little bit more on the up with uh, their new manager, uh, Andrzej Postacoglu. He, he used to be the manager for my, nice. for my favorite club in, in Australia, the A-League, Brisbane Roar. He actually helped them win some trophies back in the day I in the day excuse me he he has a, an identity and and he knows how to establish a culture of winning and I think that's going to be really important even though he was Celtics second choice Eddie Howe is who they really wanted and then Eddie Howe said the last minute I'm not going to do it and they brought him in and I think he's done a good job now it didn't start great but now I think they're starting to find their form and understanding how they want to play and they're actually despite being at Ibrox for this one away from home Celtic are the favorites on Caesar's Sportbook. I thought that was pretty crazy because Rangers need to be respected. In their last six matchups between these two, Rangers haven't lost. They've won five and drawn mm. one. They've only given up three goals in those six games, and none of them were over more than one goal per game. So defensively, this is where I think the game's going to be won or lost for Rangers. Rangers are plus 220 to win at home against a team they haven't lost to in their last six. Uh, that that's That's pretty interesting for me in terms of value. But Rangers last week against Ross County – giving up two goals to a team, like letting Ross County hang around. I don't know if it's some fatigue or if it's some emotional letdown after winning the league last year and, and having a great run in Europe. And now they've already been knocked out of Champions League qualifying by Malmo 2-1 uh, in both, both legs, both home and away. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes it's harder, right? It's easier to ascend and get to the top of the mountain, but it's much, much harder to, to stay on top of the mountain. And now Celtic have something to play for. They got to knock off Rangers. Their purpose is a little bit different than it was before. This is a really interesting game for me. I think it's crazy that you can get value for Rangers at plus 220 straight up. The draw is plus 230. Celtic winning is plus 105. There have been over two and a half goals in, in Rangers' last four home games. There have been over two and a half goals scored in five of Celtic's last six games. So I think the over might be there. I don't know where to lean on this because sometimes current form doesn't matter when you get into a derby. But I feel like at home, Steven Gerrard's going to make sure they're airtight defensively and not giving up any stupid goals or making any dumb mistakes. They might not look as aesthetically pleasing in this one, but I think they're going to try to grind out result. I kind of like Rangers to win this one straight up plus 220. Well, there's value everywhere, as you mentioned as well. All right, listen, we're going to go very quick because we want to bring our guest, David, uh, very soon. So very quick, but very emphatic right here this weekend, <laughs> by the way. Oh, by the way, uh, a certain player might make his debut uh, in Liga A as Rams host PSG. Is it the Lionel Messi show or the Kylian Mbappé no show? Or is it both? What's going on? I, I would say what I find interesting about this whole killing Mbappe situation, and I'm going to do a quick aside here, is that he was saying to PSG, I need to be surrounded by a team that can help me win the Champions League. He was saying, we need to build a team. I need that type of support. Well, PSG went and did that, and he's still putting his flag in the ground going, I still want to leave. You know, And yeah. it's, it's, it's really interesting. Now, obviously, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of smoke out there, and you just have to take the bits and pieces that you can get. But that's the vibe he's pretty much put out there. And they've done that. Sergio Ramos, Hakimi, Messi. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger and better than what they did. Donnarumma. And, and yet the guy's still unhappy. So it, it makes me like, – he's already made his decision. Now it's just a matter of how they can work it out business-wise. And, and I'm curious about that. So I don't know. That, that whole situation – could could be easily resolved if if everybody just has a better attitude about it, and then he can make his decision later on uh, at the end of the season. I like PSG to win, and both teams to score plus one fifty. It's really hard to get good value here, but but PSG's defense has been a little shaky. It's almost like they're taking their attack for granted. Like oh whatever, 
we're going to score four so we can give up one. It doesn't really matter. But I also like the value of Messi to score first plus 240. I think he's going to want to put a stamp on things right away, kind of get that first goal out of a system against an inferior opponent. And those are my two values that I, I enjoyed the most. When I love it. All right, let's go to La Liga very quickly. Real Betis against Real Madrid. Barcelona against Getafe. Atletico Madrid. I'm wearing the shirt just for you, Atleti and Jimmy Conrad. Against uh, Villarreal. Uh, that's the clash of the champions, by the way. Uh, obviously, Europa League against La Liga. Should be a good one. Anything from that? Yeah, just quickly on the Real derby between Betis and Madrid. Both of these teams in the last six games, two wins, two draws, two losses. You got Pellegrini on Betis' side. You got Ancelotti on, on Madrid's side. Two grizzled veterans in the space of managerial ability. It's tough. Madrid are undefeated in their last 20 matches. Uh, Betis are undefeated in their last 13. I, I guess that's kind of leading to a draw in some capacity. I think both teams will score. So the draw on both teams will score plus 370. I think that's pretty tasty. But if you're a Madridista and you can't bet against Madrid any single way, Look at Madrid to win in over two and a half goals. It was 4-1 in their first one against Alaves. It was 3-3 against Levante. They're scoring a lot of goals, giving up a lot of goals. I don't think that back line has settled just yet. Uh, Madrid to win at both teams to score is plus 230, so a little bit better value there. And then quickly about Atletico versus Villarreal. I love that one a lot. Um, I kind of like, I always like the Diego Simeone special. Uh, Atleti to win straight up or correct score is plus 525. Atleti to win to nil plus 165. I will say, that Atletico have not lost any of their last six to the Yellow Submarine, and Villarreal have only scored twice in those six games. Atletico have won their last seven home matches. Atleti, as long as Angel Correa is still scoring those goals, he scored all three of them so far for Atleti. He's, he's on pace to win the ball on door, everybody. Uh, then, then I think Atleti are, are the favorites here. I do like that they are probably going to sign... Um, from Hertha Berlin, Matthias Cunha. I think it's done. 30. Yeah, I think it's done, which is a great signing. He's the all-time leading goal scorer for Brazil's under-23s. I know it's not the full team, but still. No, but pretty good. Talent. This kid's a talent. 23 he's a talent. Old, he's a talent. Amazing things for not an amazing team in the Bundesliga and now going to Atleti. It's a great, it's a great move, I think. It's, I think it's a great move as well. It makes me a little worried for Joao Felix because he was supposed to be that guy and it's always seeming like they're trying to find somebody else to help Suarez or whoever it is up top. And now yeah. Correa has kind of been the main guy. So a lot, a lot to unpack there. But uh, I'd like Atleti to win to nil plus 165. Atleti to win in under two and a half goals plus 260. Whatever your flavor is. But there's a lot of good value there too. Because Villarreal, two zero zeros to start the to league. And they lost the UEFA Super Cup. Still haven't figured out, you know, who, who they are maybe in some capacity. Though under Unai Emery, you know, they should know who they are at this point. They should know who they are, and we know who we are because we're about to invite our guests. We're going to take a quick break. If you're listening to this on a podcast, please uh, stick around. Uh, YouTube, we're going to keep on going. When we come back, David Sumter, I can't wait to discuss. Que golazo. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back, everybody. Get that drum, Jimmy Conrad. David Sumter. (laughs) David Sumter. David, David is a professor of applied mathematics at the University of Uppsala in Sweden, and he has a great, great book that we discussed earlier, The Ten Equations That Rule the World. Uh, David, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Wow. Thanks a lot. I mean, my my students don't give me that kind of welcome (laughs) when I go out to give them one of their lectures. You know, they're more like heads down and avoid looking at the blackboard. But yeah, that's incredible. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you, David. And I'm not surprised your students aren't that excited. I'm sure you're very tough. You're a very tough professor. Uh, Jimmy and I are very excited. You were part, uh, I think you were listening, watching the first half mm. of the show. By the way, everybody, uh, the book aside, and uh, you know, being a professor, uh, David has also consulted in sports betting and worked with a number of world's biggest football clubs and national teams, including Hammerby, Barcelona, and England, the three lions. Incredible. Mm. So uh, his book, as we mentioned, um, I really want you to explain it, David, just to, to, to give it justice. But, you know, uh, as Jimmy's putting on his betting cap. I'm taking notes. It's <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> He's taking full on notes. So, David, before right. we get into anything, talk to us about this book. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 10 equations that everybody needs to know. And what I wanted to do is take the way I think about the world and explain how you can use it in everyday thinking. So a lot of people think that, you know, maybe maths doesn't have the most exciting reputation, if we're all honest about this. But what I wanted to show is that you can actually use maths for everyday problems. You can use it to, um, if you've just met someone new and they make a not so nice comment, should you forgive that person? Should you give them another chance? You can use it when you're thinking about if you should change jobs, find a new job, use a star system, use some mathematics to, to work out those types of questions. I even have examples like if you're watching a Netflix series and they always get, you know, the first one's really exciting, but they always get a bit more boring as you go along. Should you keep watching it or not? And there's an equation for that. So, so what I wanted to do is like, Take maths, the maths that's actually used right at the center of social media, it's used in finance, it's used in the gambling industry. Take that maths and show how you could use it on an everyday basis. I love okay. it. Okay, I love, so, go ahead, Jimmy. No, I just want to say, David, I appreciate your time. It's, it's an honor to be uh, sharing this with you. I majored in math at my <laughs> university, UCLA, and, and uh, yeah, it's tough. It's a foreign, <laughs> it's a foreign language in a lot of different ways. And, and it when was a he grind. says he majored in math, by the way, it means he had to show up to get the result of the class, right? Okay. No, okay. <laughs> different conversation. Maybe I was doing crosswords in the back. I can't confirm or deny any rumors at this time. But I was trying to balance that and obviously the dream of, of being a professional athlete and everything that comes along with that. Mm. But I loved it because there was always one solution. And when I played, I actually saw the world and the game through that lens. How do I solve this one problem? What's the easiest solution for me to get out of this particular situation or mm. to make it difficult on my opponents? Because I was a center back. You know, how am I going to make it difficult when I played against R9 Ronaldo and Real Madrid at the Bernabeu? Like, what am I going to do to slow down that guy when Zidane's in midfield, Beckham's whipping balls in from the side, Roberto Carlos is bombing from the other side. And it's it's fascinating that I used as much math as I did because angles come in in terms of my position. Yeah. And obviously trying to deduce 
what are my best outlets? If I do win the ball and right now, and if it comes to my weak foot, how am I getting out of this situation as the moving pieces are going? Is that what you do to help consult? I mean, absolutely. Those are exactly, you know, this surprised me. I, I, I have no playing background. I was a useless, useless player. But when I started to, when I started to really think about how, what maths there was in, in soccer and football, I realized that there's loads of it. And it's exactly what you say. It's about geometry. It's about space. It's, of course, like probability when we get into betting. But when we analyze teams, that's geometry that we use. We look for, exactly as you said, where is the space? We have a concept we call pitch control. And this was something I looked at in my book, Soccermatics. I actually had this idea to do with Voronoi diagrams is the mathematical term. But it's all about finding where there's space. And then I get down to Barcelona, and I find that they actually use that maths there. They analyze their team using mathematical equations. They use pitch control, and they do exactly the type of analysis you're doing. So it doesn't surprise me at all that as a player, you had that mathematical background. People often, you know, maybe they're a bit sarcastic about football players, and they say that they're not the smartest of people, but they've done studies. And mathematicians, uh, football players have above average spatial reasoning and they have like elite level spatial reasoning. So they can solve mathematical problems. They don't maybe don't see them in terms of the algebra, but they can solve mathematical problems better than the average person. So, okay, David, so now I feel bad then, Jimmy. You really majored in math then. Right? <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that I just want to go tell my wife that David Sumter says I'm smart. So I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, by the way, okay by the way our producer, Des Norris, just said, who was doing the math in Barcelona's accountancy department? But I tell you what, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to say too much about about Barcelona in that in that oh, type of way. But what's beautiful about Barcelona is they run their research like a university department. When you get in there, it's like a really intellectual environment and people are talking about different things and so on. And yeah, I mean, universities have a minus budget as well. So maybe that has some explanation. But I mean, it's a really intellectual environment and a wonderful place. Not just the football is wonderful. I mean, I got front seat, front seat tickets there to see Messi as well. But not just the football is wonderful, but the whole environment and how they kind of work within um, Barcelona and support the whole whole community, I think is just incredible. No, absolutely. I mean, La Masia is a perfect example as well uh, mm. as uh, Ajax's uh, youth academy as well. I believe they do mm. similar things as well. Okay, I want to go back to you. Amazingly, I just I've actually just been examining a thesis from uh, from Ajax. So, yeah, yeah, they oh do some God. of the best stuff. They they, they have an amazing department there too. They do indeed. <laughs> I want to go back to your book for a second because in terms of the mm. ten, just I want to clarify for everybody the ten equations that rule the world. One of them obviously focuses a lot on uh, sports betting, right? So that yeah. that's really what we're trying to do. So my first question is what are the most common mistakes you would think you would say uh, that soccer fans uh, make when they place a bet? <laughs> You're not going to like this answer. We just had a 30-minute rundown from you two oh, on exactly oh, that. I'm sitting there I'll, making notes thinking, yeah, that's mistake number one. There's mistake no, number two. There's that. mistake number that. three. I love that because I, I want to bring that, that mathematical kind of lens to it. And I'll say, no, no shame attached to this at all. I am not going to de get defensive outside of me saying this. I, I will say that my, my methodology is I try to predict what the scoreline is on a lot of intangibles. A lot of it is mm. current form, uh, the emotional mindset of certain players and mm. or, or things that can't actually be measured in certain math things. So as much as I appreciate what math brings to it, I try to look at some of the underlying kind of emotional stuff. And I just I actually try to no, predict I, the score and then work backwards is kind of how yeah, I Yeah, no, I mean, this is a cheap joke, because I, but I wanted to make it because I mean, I think I think that's the opposite of the mathematical betting theory. So 
it can definitely work with the intuition, knowing everything about the league, which you guys know, that approach can work as well. But the mathematical approach is almost the opposite. And it's just to ignore all of the information and focus on the odds and find value in the odds. <laughs> and to give a really concrete example, if yeah. you if we take the Man City match just now, or we take the PSG match and we take the Real Madrid match, you didn't want to bet on either of those three teams. And the value tends to be there. There's always a long shot in the big leagues. There's a long shot uh, bias. And in particular, when I studied La Liga, there was a massive bias against Barcelona and Real Madrid. And that's because fans of the other team want to best against them. But they always offered the value. Long term, you know, last season, of course, wasn't the best season for them. But long term, back in Barcelona and Real Madrid and La Liga is the strategy to, to go for. But it's the boring strategy. You know, whenever, whenever one of my friends, I've always like... Friends ask me for some tips because, like, you know, I work with maths and I've, I've, I've worked inside the gambling industry. So they want some tips for the next week's match. And my tip is always like that, you know, back Manchester City against Arsenal. And they're like, well, that's not really fun. You know, I place, place $10 on that and I get a couple of dollars back. It's not a fun bet to make. But just exactly because it's not a fun bet to make, it's the bet that's more likely to make money in the long run. So maybe it's an amalgamation of things because you mentioned Real Madrid, PSG and Man City. So it's maybe adding them all together that you can maybe begin parlay. to get some kind of value. And parlay, <laughs> partay, as Jimmy likes to say. You make individual bets, though. You make individual you make individual okay. bets on that and don't play an accumulator. That's my that's my uh oh, if you make man, I love bets accumulator, on, David. Oh, <laughs> I know I get, it's, again, it's the accumulator is not the one that's gonna make you the money, I'm afraid, because it again is the one that's attractive, it's the long shot, the one that's actually gonna gonna get you the money is the individual bets and the small, small sort of increases. That's what the mathematics say anyway. I well, will Jimmy, I mean you, Jimmy, you want an exception to, uh, to this. Wait. David, you just, uh, we're going to have to call it a parlay party pooper now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry about this. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, I always say this and also about when I analyze football. And I mean, I don't want to be the person who takes the fun out of it. So you could, of course, still have fun and you can take these bets. But the long term professionals are looking at something else. I mean, I will, I'll tell you one fun bet, I think. And the strategy that I worked on on the Premier League, and I wrote, write about this in the 10 Equations. I found a lot of um, value in betting the draw in very even matches. Now, that value ran for about five or six years. It wasn't big the last two years, actually. But that was the strategy which uh, brought, my, <laughs> brought me to the attention of many professional bookmakers because I went out very strong on this strategy and it worked over a very long period of time. And there you actually... Um, what matches have you got? Um, you had a match on that. Wait a minute. Liverpool, yes, of course. Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea Liverpool, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. So Liverpool, Chelsea is precisely that match where the draw, and I think, Jimmy, you you went for the draw on I that did, one. Yeah. That's where the draw. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I said the draw and Jimmy agreed. Come no, on. Now. No, no, no. It's it's a, I think you need to roll the take back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But this is a good point, though, David, because last season, this happened a lot, actually. Mm. There were like those big games from the, you know, big six and they ended up at least what was it jimmy like two or three of them were ended up as draws as well yeah and i think the thing is again it's the kind of boring bet right but this mm. time it's a boring bet with value and so you always want to back your big team or you want to back against your big team but the draw in these matches is the is the boring bet that has some some value i love it so listen tell us about the jan and marius uh, and the model you built for the 2018 world cup 
Yeah, absolutely. So there we, we use this process. So what we did is we, we looked for bias. So instead of taking all the details of the teams in, we looked at biases in the odds. So where were the odds wrongly valued? And we found exactly the long shot uh, bias that I've already been into. So that you back the, you know, when it's Germany against, um, I don't know, Bahamas or something. That's when you've got a small yeah, yeah. team, then you're you're really you go you go for the big teams. And um, actually, Germany had a bad result in that World Cup. But that, that, <laughs> that's you you go for the big teams in those in those situations. What I found, which which is a really nice kind of twist on this, is when it's a very even match. And the one that we found in the odds, this was from 2014, which I used to illustrate this, is Uruguay versus England. So England were favourites in that match, but they were narrow favourites in that match. Then you switch it, and then you go for the team which isn't the favourites, but are nearly the favourites. So if you have an even match in the World Cup, then you go for that. And so we found these basically by uh, plotting the odds, finding where the biases were, where the where the uh, results didn't agree with the odds, and then we could actually use that in order to make a profitable thing. And and we made we made a, a I mean this is this is where. This is where you're going to see me as a sucker. I mean, on the in the World Cup, me and Marius and Jan, who I worked with on this product uh, project, we made a few hundred euros on this. These guys, they went away and started a company based on this type of approach, and they made eight hundred thousand euros in the space of uh, about a year, 2019. Oh, Everything man. just took off for them, and uh, they so, made a lot of money based on this. You say you work with gambling companies but don't they hate you is this kind of like catch me while, <laughs> you know catch me when you can or with that movie like, with uh dicaprio it, and hanks like yeah well, i mean bring in, bring I, was in say, like, uh, I was gonna say it's like hiring rain man and you're just like <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that what often happens i mean i mean i'm not a big time gambler at all I, i'm kind of you know i'm the academic who wants to study it mm. and find out about it so and i probably don't have the proper nerve like uh, yana marius you know these are young guys they invest all of their time and money in this thing but what happens is people like me and i take this up in the 10 equations quite a lot we just get bought by the bookmakers and we get paid big salaries and the money starts to roll in because the bookmakers hire us and that's where that's where it all ends up and it's kind of and that that's a a big part of the 10 equations idea there's one part is that you need to learn this maths in order to have a better life but another side of it is that these guys are making lots of money they're starting to control the world and they take over everything so there's kind of two sides there there's the good and the bad of uh of of using mathematics in society how do bookmakers allow um discrepancies to happen then especially in these situations you mean well they don't they tend not to have so big discrepancies. you mean discrepancies all right that, that they exploit uh, that right. they do this well exactly. okay right so you know the the biggest problem is us and uh, that's where the discrepancies come from, because the, the bookmakers aren't only trying to predict the outcome of the match. They're also trying to offer us the value that we'd like to have. And what we found for the World Cup, which was very interesting, was this, the starting odds that were issued six months before the a group stage, they were a better predictor of the results than the odds just before the match started. And that's because the odds that are set six months before, they're set by the experts, right? The the odds that are occurring just before the match starts, they're set on the basis of everybody coming into the market and spending their money. So one kind of simple tip in, in a World Cup situation, for example, is check the odds right a long, long time beforehand. And those will actually give you 
possible information and a possible edge on, on what the results will be. So, yeah, the answer to why, why the bookmakers, um, where the edges come for people like Marius and Jan, eh, the, the bookmakers aren't just trying to predict football matches. They're also trying to offer us the bets that we'd like to make. Love now, it. now, you mentioned soft and sharp uh, bookmakers in your book. Like, what's the mm. difference between the two? Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing. So, so Marius and Jan, they, um, the soft ones are the what the high street betters. I mean, actually, I'm not sure exactly how it works in the US, but they're the ones that you normally have access to. The sharp ones, they're uh, people like Pinnacle, who they keep very low margins on their odds. And they also take very, very big bets. So they want to have these big bets coming in. So um, there, you have to actually be sharper in order to beat them because they are actually looking much more at the results than they are about the fluctuations. Mm. But um, they, uh, and, and they'll take much, but they're looking for larger bets and a longer sustained larger bets. So when you go into the Asian markets, for example, which are very sharp bookmakers, you can get your margins down to like 0.5, 1%, but you've got to actually be automatedly, you've got to be, and this is maybe, I haven't said this, that Jan and Marius, they're trading automatically. So they have an algorithm which places all of the money and they have bets coming in all of the time. And if you don't make those bets all of the time, then the Asian bookmakers won't deal with you. So the sharp ones, better odds, but you have to be trading all of the time. Wow. Amazing. Hey, listen, but there's uh, there's something I was thinking about as well. There are clubs that have based their entire philosophy on things like this yeah. right now. I'm thinking of two Premier League clubs in particular, Brentford and Brighton as well. I believe you know yeah. uh, much about that as well, right? Exactly. And they're both owned by bookmakers or uh, right. guys who, who formed bookmakers. And so that's what's happening now. And that's really exciting as these bookmakers are taking the ideas that they've learned from the gambling world and they're saying, let's uh, let's employ them in, in a football club. And I love, I mean, in particular, Matthew Benham is a bit of a hero. Yeah, his, owner, yep. yeah he's, he's the Brentford guy. And his philosophy is, you know, he said when they got promoted, in fact, I, haven't, I didn't see I didn't see it in print, but I think it doesn't surprise me if he would have said this, that, yeah, we might go up and down for six or seven seasons now before we get established. So it's not like, oh, we've, you know, finally we've got to the Premier League. It's like, here's our, been our process in the championship, up and down. There's a lot of randomness in the world. Doesn't really matter if we go up. Um, you know, there's always there's always those chances, and then they go up, and you say, "Well, now we're fluctuating here. Now we're going to fluctuate Championship, Premier League, and then eventually we might be establishing ourselves at mid-table Premier League." And that's the kind of long, long-term philosophy that you have when you study probab probability. You don't think about just what's happened now. You think about what can happen in the future um, and how how things are going to change in the future. Okay. So David, I've got two questions. Uh, one is, did you guys predict that Messi was going to leave Barcelona to go to PSG? Because my <laughs> mind was blown and still blown that he's actually wearing a PSG shirt. And second, with regard to this weekend's fixtures and everything I talked about, you know, was there anything that stood out for you in terms of a good bet or something we should look at that maybe is an extension or something better than what I offered up? Yeah, Messi, I don't really want to comment. I mean, I've got this connection. You know, I, I did this documentary about Messi and I, I'm kind of in love with the guy. And and because, you know, in Barcelona, they bought me a Barcelona jersey with David Sumter written on the back oh, of it, right? Yeah, and yeah, I do yeah. a load of stuff with them. So I just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to say. I, okay. I think, you know, I think that they certainly, it was predictable for them that Messi would have, have left at some point. 
that could have happened but i don't you know to me it's a it's a tragedy i i just i can't let that one go um so sorry about that you know i'm gonna get no, I, I think you answered the question like I get to, it. I get uh, it. Russell, yeah that's right but uh the weekend the weekend though as jimmy mentioned is there anything yeah the know? weekend so um you know i'm gonna i'm actually because i do want to go with my not my heart because i'm not a ranger so i grew up in scotland and i'm yeah. certainly not a rangers fan but if i saw that that bet actually when that came up that was one where my mathematical mind just Same. went out the window. And I thought, Rangers, you know, I think that they're actually, they won the league last season quite convincingly, right? They totally dominated. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Rangers. What was it? It was plus, plus 220. 220. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, that's my tip. That's my the, heartfelt tip. <laughs> and they're at home as well, right? I don't, does, that, yeah. does that have any implications for you? Yeah, the, exactly. The they're at home. How can Celtic be favorites for that one? Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Rangers plus 220. <laughs> there you go. We will finish <laughs> with that. Rangers take it to the bank. The 10 equations that ruled the world. David Santos, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being part of the show, my friend. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Uh, I want to thank Jimmy Conrad. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Luis. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. David, I appreciate you being here, my friend. We always say goodbye. I had a lot of fun. It was really interesting hearing everything that that you guys had to say. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Thanks a lot. No problem. I'm going to get your WhatsApp number. I'm going to bug you every weekend to see. What <laughs> it would just be like, yeah, book Man City. I'm <laughs> back Man City. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, Kigo Lasso. Enjoy the matches. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next time. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.